0: Podcast for people, Father, Jesus. What's going on, everyone? My name is Brian Williams, and I am the pastor of Restoration Church in Traverse City, Michigan. Thanks so much for allowing us into your digital life and tuning in to this message. If you'd like to get involved with anything we have going on, you can do so at RestorationTC.com. While you're there, you can find out about events, get to know a little bit more about what we believe, and you can also give a donation. Now, we're set up a little different than most in that we have a community account where 100% of your donation goes directly back into the community, both locally and globally. We've partnered with organizations like Freedom Builders here in Traverse City, World Orphans, and Charity Water. We also have an overhead account that helps fund the mission and vision of the church. Our vision is people following Jesus, and our mission is transparency, community, and change. Thanks again for checking out the message. Now let's get to it. He was caught doing something wrong, and he knew he was caught. And I don't exactly remember what it was that he was actually doing, but I do remember what happened afterwards. Is, is He got caught doing something wrong, hitting a sibling, bothering someone, throw, giving his food to the dog. I don't know what it was. But he, he, he got caught doing something, and all it took was a look. All it took was just a one of those right parents you know what that look is right <laughs> like or or kids even you know what that look is when your parent gives you that look you know you know you're you're in trouble and and, and what was really interesting is you give them that look you go oh man what are you doing and instantly as a young little boy instantly like tears and just remorse and and, and so sorrowful There was not much need for correcting because he knew automatically what he was doing wasn't the right thing. And, 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 And that's been that way ever since the kid was born. Now, others of my children, I could tell them what they're doing wrong, and they're just like man, whatever, you know. But uh, they're all so different. How we parent our children from child to child is so different. It's a lot like how we are, and I'm going to compare my children to sin. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot how. It's a lot like how we have to deal with sin. The Bible gives us so many different ways in which we are to deal with sin. Jesus tells us that uh, if our eye is causing us to stumble. We should just take it right out. If if our hand is causing us to, to sin, we should cut it off. If it's our legs, cut your leg off. Better to enter heaven uh, without a leg or a limb or an eye than to spend eternity in hell, is what Jesus says. Paul says in in Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians, chapter five, that there's this dude who was uh, living with his dad's wife, so was his his um was his mom? Yeah, it was his mom. I guess that's his dad's wife, right? Living with a a relative, uh, that was his mother, and uh, they told uh, the church, Paul told the church, just to cast that guy out, don't even let him in your presence. I mean, that was something that was looked down upon, even in the pagan world, and and they were applauding it, basically. And now in Galatians, Paul is saying something else on how to deal with sin. So today, we're going to be talking about how to deal with sin. It's not a one-size-fits-all. There are certain criteria for certain sins in which we need to approach people all right sometimes we just got to cast them out sometimes we got to nurture them sometimes we need to cut off their arms (laughs) not maybe not really cut off their arms but that would make church a lot more interesting wouldn't it oh hey billy you sinned again come on up here we got to take off your hand Ah, right i mean (laughs) you might have to show up on a sunday morning and see what happens um We're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. We are finally in the last chapter, but we're covering five verses today. And uh, it's going to take a while, so we are going to jump right in. Paul is speaking to the church in Galatia, Here he's writing to the church in Galatia, who had some legalizers, some Judaizers, people who wanted them to follow the... uh, How am I trying to say that? The Jewish law. I was trying to say in judicial, and that was not the right word at all. Jewish law. And that they had to do all these things in order to be right with God. And that carried over in in their actions and how they uh, dealt with one another. And we're going to get into that. But we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. I encourage you, open up your Bibles. If you have one, open it up. If you're in a spot right now where you can get your Bible out, please do so. We want to study this together. We're going to go through five verses, one through five. And I hope you guys are ready, buckled in. And here we go. All right. Verse 1. Brothers. Let me stop right there. <laughs> brothers. Paul's saying, "Brother, he, he's used this a few times. It's a very intimate way of, of, of responding or, or of, of talking to uh, the people in the letter. When he was distant with them, he was saying, oh, you foolish Galatians. Now he's switching it again over to brothers. Uh, he, he, he's calling them out. Brothers, it's a very intimate thing. And I just want to question us as a church right now, who you got? Who do you have around you? Who's in that community around you that you can get together with, where you can call on them? When it's two o'clock in the morning, life isn't going well, something has hit the fan, and you need somebody to chat with, who's the first person you call? And if there's nobody on that list, then what are you gonna do about it? Because we need to be in community together. We need to be doing things together, especially men, we can be very, uh, we we can just back off and not want to be a part of anything. And try to isolate like sin causes us shame causes us to isolate and when a man isolates it's much easier to get picked off we look at back at the story of uh david and bathsheba do you remember this story where david was watching bathsheba bathing now why was he in the place that he was in it's in uh first or second samuel and why why it's in second samuel why was he in that place looking at Bathsheba at the time he was. Why was he doing that? Because he was isolated. Everyone else had gone off to war. He stayed behind. He was lazy. He didn't have anything to do. So he just decided that he was going to hang out at home. He could have been doing other things. He could have been doing priestly things but, or, or kingly things. But when you are alone and when you're lazy, the devil will come at you. So who do you have in your circle of friends? Who can you call on? Who's your influence? Do you have a band of brothers that you can engage with, be a part of, and chat with? That's going to help you out in life. Brothers, first word. That's it. All right. It's about community. Who do you have? If you don't have somebody, get somebody. Don't let it be me though, because I'm I don't I don't want to be that. All right. Uh, I was watching Hard Knocks uh, this last week because the Lions are on Hard Knocks, which they follow along, around a team. It's on HBO. They follow around a team uh, every training camp. And this year, they're they're following around the Lions, which I love because I'm a huge Lions fan, unfortunately. Um, and uh, Mark Brunel, who is the quarterback's coach for the Lions, uh, he used to play for the Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, I won a Super Bowl as a backup quarterback with the Saints. He had this quote, which further emphasizes my point. Mark Brunel said on live television, he said, to be a good player, you have to be surrounded by very good people. To be a good player, you have to be surrounded by very good people. So who do you got? It's not just talent alone. It's not just your ability alone. Even in the NFL, you could be the most talented person. And you can not have any success whatsoever. It's who the people are around you. I mean, take a look at Matthew Stafford, right? 12 years with Detroit, not even a playoff victory. Goes one year with the Rams and he wins the Super Bowl. It matters who's around you. It doesn't matter how talented you are. The worst three words a human being can say is, I got this on my own. So who do you have? All right, let's go to the next phrase. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, that means surprised by sin. If anyone is caught in any trans... Yeah, we're stopping a lot today, all right? The first verse is going to take us the majority of the sermon, just letting you know. Caught in any transgression, this is surprised by sin. Right. This is somebody who isn't just like habitually going into sin. This isn't somebody who is choosing uh, premeditated sin. This is somebody who's caught in any transgression. That's caught in sin. There's premeditated sin, and then there's sudden sin, where it's like, oh, but, uh, wait, where, how did I, oh, man, and you feel guilty if anyone is caught in any transgression, when we're surprised by sin. See, the devil wants to get us. Satan's whole job is to torment us and get us away from God. And it says in Psalm 91, 3, he's talking about God. This is Moses writing. He says, he will deliver, we think it's Moses, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler is what Psalm 91.3 says. The snare of the fowler. That means that there's a trap set. The fowler is like a a bird hunter, Brent Kroll. And you, um, I don't know if you know who Brent Kroll is, but he's a friend of mine who's a big bird hunter guy. Um, And and you set these traps for the bird. And what happens is the bird, oh, look, I got food. And then all of a sudden, the person who is trapping the birds like, no, I got you. And that's exactly the way the devil works with us. He's going to set something out that's real nice, looks really good. He's not just going to come in with red horns. in, in, this, in the thing. I mean, we're going to run away from that, right? But if, it's, uh, if we're caught in sin, we're trapped in sin, it's because we've been trapped by sin. And, and, and so, he disguises himself. I forget what movie it was from, uh, Usual Suspects. You know what? The greatest uh, thing the devil ever did is, is get people to believe he doesn't exist, That's the best trick the devil ever had was to to pretend that or to get us to believe that he doesn't exist. See, there's a war going on. Last week we talked about it. There's a war going on between my spirit and my flesh, and a lot of us just aren't fighting that war. We're getting picked off and plucked off because we're not even fighting. We're not we don't even realize we're in a war. We're just walking through the territory, the enemy territory, like do 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 without a helmet on, without any sort of armor on whatsoever, and just you know minding our own business. And we are just open game right now. It's open season on Christians because we are not fighting a battle. We're caught in sin. See, from the very beginning, God uh, set up the boundary for us so that uh, in, in the very beginning of the book, page one, page two, and three, we find this. Adam and Eve were in the garden. God had created everything. He said, you can eat of any tree of the garden except that one tree. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Just stay away from that tree. And, and that's, that was the only rule. Do this, do this, do this, be a part of this, have this, be fruitful, multiply, uh, do all the things that you want to do except just this one thing. Don't go do this one thing. And what did Satan try to do? What did the serpent do? He came in and said, did God really say. See, what Satan is going to try to do is, is, is question if God is really for you and question if his promises are actually for you. See, Satan turned the whole thing into a negative and he says, did, did God really say? It was the beginning of the misinformation campaign, right? He wants you to doubt God's goodness that he spoke to you. And he wants you to start thinking that God is withholding. Yeah, he doesn't let us eat from that tree. Yeah, God doesn't let us do whatever we want. God made these rules so that we can't have fun. And we get stuck because we don't think we're in a battle. See, the whole thing with the Garden of Eden is, the the crazy thing about it is they already had everything. They were made in his image. They were already like God. And Satan said, the serpent said, "Uh, you will be like God if you eat from this tree. And they're like, oh, we can be like God. Cool. (laughs) And they already were. Satan's going to tempt us with something more, something else. So brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We're going to break that down. You who are spiritual, this isn't those who are sinless, this, this is those who are No longer dominated by sin, that aren't marked by sin their entire lives. Those who are spiritual, I have a list, are, are led by the Spirit. We talked about it last week, keep keeping in step with the spirit, walk in the spirit, be led by the spirit and keep keeping in step with the spirit. Those who remain in Jesus, Judge, he talked about it in John chapter 15, remain in me and I will remain in you. Um, I, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. The fruit of the spirit will be in you if you remain in me. So those who are spiritual are those who are led by the spirit. Number two, it's those who live the fruit of the Spirit. They have uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. They live the fruit of the Spirit. Those who are spiritual are, are ones who have a servant's heart, that are looking for opportunities to serve those around us in every different way possible. Whatever it is our gifting is, like we just want to serve one another. That's who are spiritual. Those who are spiritual serve fellow Christians. We we show up and we do the things necessary. We help out one another. We have a band of brothers that we can call on that that can can uh, help us get through troubled times or or we can help them get through troubled times. It's those who remain. And I just want to say, if you aren't spiritual, if you're not according to that list, if you feel like you're far from God right now, and you're going to try to give advice to someone else who isn't spiritual, who's having a rough time, man, I just want to tell you to shut up. Stop talking. You're not fixing it. Because here's what's going to happen. The people who aren't spiritual, who aren't living by the Spirit, who aren't led by the Spirit, who don't have the fruit of the Spirit showing in their lives, they're going to give bad advice. Or we're going to be ignorant to a problem. We're going to show up. We're going to talk about some things. And 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 I, I could share with you what's going on, some sin issues in my life, and you just might ignore it. And and man, in that moment, I don't need you to ignore it. I need you to help me get through it. And you might give some pretty bad advice. Oh, I don't think you need to worry about that. That's not too bad. I You know, you're not as bad as the other people that I see. I think you're doing all right. that's not really sin. You're fine. See, those who aren't spiritual, and this is if, if, if this is you, uh, I know it can be me at times. I know, shocking uh, as a preacher that that shouldn't even be the case, right? But uh, sometimes, um, sometimes I'm lacking. If you aren't spiritual, you can care more about your position with man than your position with God. This is true for me. Like, if I'm in a bad spot, I care more about what somebody thinks about me than what God thinks of me, so I'm going to shut up and not say anything about your sin, or I'm going to try to say that it's okay. I'm going to be like, ah, no, you're fine, because I want you to like me more. But when I'm on fire for God, when I'm pursuing Him, when I have the fruit of the Spirit showing in my life, then it's like, all right, game on, bro, you got to cut that out. Whatever it is you're doing in your life, man, I'm willing to, to bring it up and talk about it. And it says those who are spiritual. So he's not saying it's it's pastors only or uh, ministry professionals only. This is just, if you are spiritual, this is talking to the church body. Whoever's in the church, man, it's not up to me to correct all sin. I I don't know if you knew that or not. I don't need to be the go-between between between all of these different people. In fact, here's what the Bible says on This is what Jesus talks about uh, for how to correct matters within the church. If there's an issue between two people, then those two people need to talk about it together in private. Go go do it. And if that doesn't work, then bring about a, a couple of guys, the brothers that are with you, bring about a few people, and then try to resolve it with those few people. And if it's still not able to be resolved, then you include the church, then I'll get involved, all right? If y'all can't figure it out on your own, then I'll try to make it not worse, all right? That's the, that's the key. Don't go run into your pastor the moment something bad is going on, all right? Because it doesn't always have to be that way. Who do you have in your band of brothers or sisters that you can depend on? Cool, all right, you got one? Good. All right, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. <clears throat> restore is a term used to, to mend fishing nets. Back in, in the Greek, that's what it meant. Uh, or in ancient Greece, it was actually to set a bone. To, to set set a bone, like you, you break a bone, it was to make it straight again, to to mend these fishing nets. And they knew a lot about this. I mean, uh, a lot of people were fishermen. We t- We've talked about, uh, you know Peter and all the disciples who were fishermen before this, uh, mending nets was something that had to happen often because you'd have this big haul. Uh, if you've ever had a big fish in a net and it rips the net, that net's not very good anymore, is it? Hey, you're not going to catch very many fish with a net that's not mended. You're going to try to get it. Have you ever done that before? Where like you're salmon fishing or something, you got a huge fish on the line, you're trying to reel it in, and you get oh somebody go get the net and you go and grab the net and there's <laughs> you just open it and then the fish just comes. Right through, that's not a good, very, very good net, is it? So this is talking about restoring him in a spirit of gentleness. Mend the net so that they can catch more fish, man. Set a, set the bone so they can walk again, so that heals properly. This is also in Ephesians uh, chapter four, verse twelve, where he's talking about equipping the saints. Man, mend the nets. This is called a present active imperative, which is three cool words all spun together to make me sound really smart. It means keep going on for a period of time. This isn't a quick fix. This isn't just like put it back together and you're done. This is a continual mending. This is a continual setting of the bone. This is a continual correcting. It's not just an overnight thing, which I think is why legalism uh, is so attractive because legalism is like, ah, you broke the law, go away. Right? Oh, nope, nope, nope. You're not in our church. You're not in our group anymore because of what you just did. Because of you don't follow our rules. You don't follow our plan. You fell into sin, so just go away. I, I, I was talking to a friend a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about this guy who used to go to a church, was very involved in a church, and he had some questions about creation. And so he brought it up to one of the elders and said, hey, I just, got to, I just want to know a little bit more. Um, I have these questions about creation, evolution, this whole thing. And the dude looked at him and he said, uh, son, you've got a sin issue and you need to get that taken care of. And the kid left the church because of the couple of questions that he had, they wouldn't get answered. Instead, he said, yeah, that's a sin issue. And just left. That's what legalism does. See, legalism is going to cast judgment. In, in Matthew um, uh, 23, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees and the scribes, and he says that uh, they just heap on, like they uh, put this heavy burden on somebody and then force them to carry it, and they won't even lift a finger to help them out. We put this huge burden on people sometimes as legalists, and it's like, man, we, we, we're not even going to help you carry that load. The It's a present active imperative to keep going on for a period of time. And that's why, because it takes time, it takes energy, it takes effort. And yeah, it's tiring. Yeah, it's exhausting. But we are a community of believers together. And if you don't belong to this community, I hope you belong to a community. I hope this isn't the only opportunity for your church right now, that this right here, me and the camera and you on the other side, whatever the screen it is that you're watching. And I hope this isn't your only experience with church, that you have a group of people that you're connecting with on a, on at least a a regular basis if it's not weekly every other week once a month whatever it is are you connecting with people that you can be real with let's keep going keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted watch out lest you be tempted uh, 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 we're, we're starting up a, a, a brand new men's ministry in September, and I'm <laughs> really excited about it. We're going to be here at the chapel, which is where I, I record, and uh, I mean, it's going to be Thursday nights, and I was reading through it. Um, uh, just some, some different ideas for it. And I, I have the guiding verse of First Corinthians 16, verse 13 and 14, which is a really familiar passage, especially for a lot of men's ministries, but I don't care because it meets us right where we are at. And it just says to be on guard, be watchful, stand firm, act like men, be strong, and love one another. Those are the things that it's talking about. And I'm like, man, if that isn't a men's ministry, I don't know what is. Watch out, lest you too be tempted this is tempted is is there there's two forms of this there's testing and then there's temptation this form of, of tempting is 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 what Satan does to try to tempt us for destruction it's the same thing that Satan did to Jesus uh, out in the wilderness after Jesus got baptized by his cousin John the Baptizer and and uh, he he comes back up and God says this is my son and then uh, immediately Jesus goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by Satan three different times in three different ways to try to get Jesus to fall because because Satan is thinking, you know what? He's just had this high top experience. He just got baptized. He just got affirmed by, by his own dad. And so this is when the attack is going to happen. When we're high on the mountain, that's when Satan is going to try to cut that mountain right down. And so he goes right after Jesus and, and, and tries to tempt him in three different ways. And each time Jesus shares scripture with him to, to go, nope, stay away from me. <coughs> so we need to be on guard. Watch out, Lest you too be tempted. Don't think you won't fall too. Don't think that, man. I've got this. Again, those are the three most difficult things. That those are the three dan- most dangerous things a person can say. Those three words together. I got this. Because if we go into it and say, man, I got this. I can take care of this issue for this person. I'm good. We're starting to work on our own power and not his power. And when we're working on our own power and not his power, then we're going to fail time and time again. That's why it says for those who are spiritual, those who are walking by the fruit of the spirit, but also be careful because anyone can be tempted at any time. Anyone can fall. I was reading an article just this last week on this dude in um, Maine who started, he called it a church. It wasn't really a church, but he called it a church of like safe injections or something like that. And he was an addict. He, he was addicted to every sort of drug imaginable, and he was clean for a little while, but he had this issue for a long time. And so what he wanted to do was try to create a space where, where it, would, it would be safe. Like they didn't want people to use drugs, but they understood that people were going to be using drugs. And so they started handing out clean needles, handing out uh, Narcan to, to people and having this space where people could use the drugs to try to get them to get off of the drugs eventually. They were like, well, I guess clean needles are better than dirty needles and you can't fight if you're dead. And so, that was the idea behind it. I don't have anything to say based on that. I don't have an opinion on that. I do believe that Jesus Christ is is powerful. The Holy Spirit who gives us life uh, is powerful enough to overcome addictions if we allow Him to work in our lives. And if we seek treatment, if we seek a band of brothers that we can do this together with, I think there's power in that. But anyway, this guy started doing it. And... uh, Man, three or four years after he started this whole process, he went into, uh, he, he got addicted to drugs again, went into rehab, got out, got addicted to drugs again, and died. Watch out. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And then the person that took over, she was also an addict, and she had been uh, involved in this for a long time. A couple years after he passed away, guess what? She died of an overdose. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Don't think you're above it. Okay. Let's finally get to verse two. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This idea of sharing one, bear one another's burdens means, man, when there is heavy stuff that's too heavy for one person to bear, this is a heavy load that one cannot bear on their own. It's talking about sharing it with one another. Bear one another's burdens. There's things that are so heavy on us that we can't walk through on our own. So I go back to the question again, who you got? Who do you got, church? that you can share the burden with. Sometimes you're going to be the one that needs to be uh, not carrying very much weight. Sometimes you're the one that's going to be needing to carry more weight. We get crushed by guilt. We get crushed by sin. And that can't be overdone, overcome alone. man, but sometimes it's not even sin. Sometimes it's just life that brings us down. Am am I right? Like, do you ever just feel like a heavy, heavy burden and you're just like, man, I wish somebody could come and help me out. (laughs) I was feeling that way this week, to be honest with you. So church planning isn't always the easiest thing to do. And uh, I don't know. I woke up Sunday morning and, I, and 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 sometimes i just get a feeling i know what the day is going to bring i just i just have a feeling that it's not going to be the best day ever and uh i i showed up on, on Sunday morning. Um, first of all, my oldest son, Carson, he wanted to stay in bed. And and we try not to make this be a huge responsibility for any of our kids or for my wife, because they didn't ask to be church planners. They just are along for the ride. And so, we're trying to protect them as much as possible, try to give them as as much of a church experience as possible. But their sacrifice already is, is, is we don't have the huge program. We don't have everything that the church we left from has. And so, man, them just being a part of this, them just showing up on a Sunday and sacrificing everything that they left, that's enough for our kids. And so, I said, Carson, just stay in bed. But Jordan, he always likes showing up. He loves setting up. So, shout out to my son, Jordan. To, to He sets up our kids' ministry area. And and I knew that it was just going to be me playing the music this week and preaching. And, and I just, I just felt like, man, I know this is going to be a long, long day. And, uh, and and to make matters worse is I, I knew, and it shouldn't matter, but it does, I just had a feeling not very many people were going to be there this Sunday, this past Sunday. And uh, so, I'm already feeling down, like it's just Jordan and I, and at least we have a couple of people showing up to help out on Sunday uh, when we get to the church to help set up. And so, we get to the church, and uh, it's just Jordan and me until about nine o'clock or so. Finally, somebody else showed up, but it was just me and Jordan setting up the entire uh, service, everything, lights, um, audio, projector, screen, video stuff, kids' ministry area, tables, chairs, pens, uh, backdrop. The, it, was, it was Jordan and I. Thankfully, another volunteer showed up about 8.45, 9 o'clock or so, and she t- got the coffee out because I was at a point where I was like, hey, we're not just not going to have coffee this week. Sorry. Uh, and then I forgot to get more coffee, so she ran and got more coffee for us, and that was awesome, and she, she came back with, with more coffee, and that was great. But man, it was a heavy burden on Sunday, and then I didn't feel like I preached very well, and so I just got darker and darker and darker as the day went on. Monday morning, I wasn't feeling good, and I was, honestly, you guys, I was ready just to pack it in. I was like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. There was about 30 people that showed up on Sunday, and I, I just, I could do this so many other places and do this so much easier in so many other places. I just want to pack it in. And so I texted a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, and I waited because he's out in California, and I said, here's the deal, man. I'm just tired. And uh, I listened to his sermon. It was encouraging for me to keep going. I said, I know I'm exactly where I need to be and doing what I need to be doing, but man, I'm just so tired right now. And he responded back with Exodus chapter 18, in which Moses is uh, leading all of his people uh, out, of, out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, and there's a million people, and his father-in-law comes and, and sees what's going on. And all these people are bringing all of their stuff to Moses the entire time, and uh, like the whole day, he's just tending to issues that, that people have for him. And, and his, his father-in-law looks at Moses, and he goes, this is not good, man. You need to have people around you. You need to set up some sort of system because you are going to burn yourselves out. And so, Restoration Church, I don't know, guys. I'm going to burn myself out if we don't, and I don't ask very often, but I need someone to share the load with me. I need someone to have that burden with me because I'm I'm continuing to get more and more tired, and I understand that I can't do this on my own. So, all of that to say, I just need some help. bear one another's burdens. And and I hate asking. And I don't know, maybe you don't even come to this church and you're just watching online. You're like, boy, I don't know about that. I'm just asking. I don't know. I want to continue on this. So, if you're out there, we could use some help. In all the different areas. Um, the second half of this verse says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. When we do that, I mean, the law of Christ is John 13, 34 and 35, where Jesus says, uh, this is how they will know you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. It's how we love one another, and and it's how we encourage one another and share with one another and bear each other's burdens. Man, that's how the church is going to know that we are Christians, that we are different when we're bearing one another's burdens, when we're sharing in each other's burdens, when we're loving one another. This fulfills the law of Christ, just bearing one another's burdens, All right, let's keep going. Next, he kind of transitions. Paul kind of transitions here to another uh, set of statements, but it's all kind of the same thing. All right, verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. We can clap because I just read two verses all together. Uh, Want to know about how to keep in step? Last week we talked about keep keeping in step and we talked about remaining in Jesus and to restore with gentleness is verses three through five. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. For the first thing we have to do, there's two dangers in this in, the, in verses three and four. There's two dangers in this and the contrary thing, uh, the opposite of the danger is the attribute, I guess. uh, Two things that we can do is stay humble, number one. If we want to keep keeping in step with the Holy Spirit and restore with a spirit of gentleness, which is a fruit of the Spirit, which is one of the attributes of the, the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, power under control, meekness, man, the first thing we have to do is we have to stay humble. We have to stay humble. See, the danger is we think too highly of ourselves. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. In, in Luke chapter 18 Jesus shares this parable of two Pharisees or a Pharisee and a tax collector walking up to the temple and they go and they pray at the temple and the Pharisee gets up right and he's all like, oh God, thank you so much that you've not made me like these other sinners that I have these robes that I have such a close relationship with you. Oh God thank you that I'm not like these people that's thinking so highly of yourself And then Jesus says, the tax collector he wouldn't even get close to the temple. he wouldn't even he wouldn't even look up. he had his eyes down the whole time. And he was just filled with humility and saying, God, man, I'm just so grateful for who you are, essentially is what it says. And and it says that God heard the prayer of the tax collector and not the Pharisee. Don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think of yourself as that you've, again, you've got this because the, 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 the The truth is, (laughs) I don't got this. It's that idea, I mean, we've all felt this way before, that recklessness of teenage living. Right? Where nothing bad can happen to me. You drive down the road 120 miles an hour, it doesn't matter because you have this invincibility complex. And it's the same thing when it comes to sin, when it comes to bearing each other's burdens. I think the longer we are Christians, I think the more deceived we become. It's hard for me to remember being a teenager. It's hard for me to remember what my mindset was a teenager because I haven't been one for 17 years. Right? And so it's, man, what was I thinking? What was I doing? I I don't remember. I start thinking too highly of myself. I start thinking, well, I'm better than that. I'm whatever. You know, because as a teenager, you're, you're thinking you have this invisibility complex, invinci- invisibility, invincibility complex, where nothing's going to happen. You're not going to get hurt. You can do whatever you want. You can jump off anything you want and you're going to be fine. You can drink whatever you want. You can have sex with whatever you want, whoever you want, and it's all going to be fine. Nothing can hurt you. Nothing can harm you. Man, don't think too highly of ourselves, because we can fall. We're deceiving ourselves. Satan is the deceiver. He's going to say, yeah, you got this. Go for it, man. God's withholding from you anyway. Go for it. You got this. Yeah. Don't worry about it. The second thing is comparing myself to others. That's the other danger. And just compare myself to what God's doing. But let each one test his own work how many of us did, like compare our work to other people's works right like in third grade you draw the picture or whatever and 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 it's it, you have to we at least this is the way we did it we had to draw a picture and uh they'd put our artwork up all over the school and and then you draw your picture or whatever and then you get to show it and it's like oh man i'm not as good as that one i'm not as good as that person and there are some really good artists in, in in my class and i'm just like drawing stick figures basically it's like is this any good like the head and the shoulders are like way off like the head's over here the shoulders are over over here, I don't know, it doesn't make any sense, I understand that, but uh, I, I would compare myself to these other kids and like, man, I guess I'm not very good at that. But there were good things that I, there were things that I was good at that they weren't good at, but I couldn't see that all I compared myself was to them, and it made me feel worse. I, and when we compare ourselves to other people, we either think either I'm not so bad or I'm not good enough. Uh, again this past week i was comparing myself to other pastors being like man i'm just look at them and what they're able to do in the in the in the congregations they have and, and it just seems like people just come out of the woodwork to come to their churches and 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 we're still struggling at you know 30 to 40 people all summer and it's just like how what what am i doing wrong why am i why am i feeling this way and i'm and i'm comparing myself to other pastors and I need to test my own work against what God has done for me. And then I, the, the, the reason for boasting will be in myself and not in my neighbor. Because this is what God's calling me to do. When it says boasting in myself, it's not like, hey, look what I did. It's more like, look at what God is doing through me. To not worry about what other people are doing. Romans 12.3 says, don't think more highly than you ought, but work out the measure of faith that you've been giving. We've all been been given giftings, we've all been given influence, and what are you doing with what God has given you to do? That's what you measure it against, not against what this person's doing, not against how that person does. Man, there's going to be way better preachers than me, and there's going to be way worse preachers than me but for every single one of us, what am I doing with the gift that I've given? And for you, you can ask the same thing. What am I doing with the influence that I have to the people around me and the gifts that God has given me? Am I using them? He says to test his own work. This is the opposite of being tempted. In verse 1, where he says, watch out, lest you be tempted. This is the opposite of that, of of testing your own work. So that was in the, the tempting, that was in the negative. This one is actually in the positive this is the opposite of the negative form in verse 1. Examine your work. Put it to the fire. Basically, what it means is, uh, like in what James 1, in, uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says, count it all joy when you face trials, because the testing of faith produces steadfastness. Steadfast- that testing of your faith means bring it to the fire, let everything else fade away. What would happen is, is if you had any of those like fine metals or whatever those were, like rocks, like uh, gold, silver, anything like that, um, I don't know if they're metals, I don't know. But you, you, you would put it to the fire and it would melt, a really hot fire, and then all of the impurities come up to the surface and you can scoop them away. So test your work to the fire, see what's good, and it will be approved. What's good will be approved. So, what are you doing for God? And are you fulfilling the mission that He's called you to? Verse 5 says, for each will have to bear his own load. Now, this is different than bear one another's burdens. He's not contradicting himself. Where bear one another's burdens is like, oh my goodness, we can't carry this load. That's the thing that, like, not everybody uh, is supposed to carry it all on their own. This is something where, um, that verse, that verse was about everybody carrying a part of the load that was too heavy for one person to carry. This is um, bearing his own load. This is more, uh, we've all got a pack to carry. This is more of like a military term, like grab your pack, grab whatever it is that you have to carry, and carry that. We all have a responsibility. We all have to carry something. Each will have to bear his own load. And that pastor over there, he's got a different load that he's got to bear. And that person over there with more influence than me, they've got their own load that they have to bear. And if I'm looking at the loads that they have to bear, and, and I'm not looking at my own, and I'm not even carrying my own, I, I I'm just focused on what they're doing, not on what my own one is. We've all got something to carry. We've all got something to share. So bear your own load, whatever it is, the mission that is that God's given you to do, then man, do it to the best of your abilities, do it to the best of his abilities under his power in his life. We got to stop comparing ourselves to all these other people. And this is more for me than for anybody else, but man, just be focused on what God's calling me to do today. That's it. That's the only thing I have to worry about. We've all got a pack to carry. My only point is this, and I know we're out of time already, so whatever. My point is, I don't know if it's all going to show up. It's not. So, you're going to have to write write this down on your own. Sin can befall any of us. The second part of this, that's not on the screen. So, be ready to restore. (coughs) excuse, Excuse me. Sin can befall any of us. So, be ready to restore. Man, stay with humility. Humble yourselves. Know that I don't have this, but I'm willing to help. I don't have this, and I know I've screwed up in the past, which is why I can help. Now, I, I don't got this, but I know he does and he's got me. And if he's got me and, and, and the load that I'm carrying, man, I'm going to come help you carry that burden that you've got right now and you're trying to carry it on your own. We humble ourselves so that we're ready to restore gently those who have fallen. Those who are willing, that are feeling guilty, that are feeling shame. We have an opportunity, a responsibility to come alongside fellow believers. Like, I know you feel like you're down and out. I know you feel like you're the worst person in the world right now. But I got to tell you, you're not. Let's get back up. Let's nail our our passions, uh, our flesh with its passions and desires to the cross. And let's leave from there. Come on, let's go hang out. Sometimes people, all people need is just somebody to listen. It's possible to be a counselor if you're just somebody who listens. It's not just the pastor's job to restore. Man, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today and you are walking in step with the Spirit, you are following the Holy Spirit, you, are call, you, you have the mark of a follower of Jesus, you got a limp, we talked about that last week, then you, our responsibility to each other is to help bear one another's burdens, but watch out because it can happen to every single one of us. And keep keeping in step. Restoration Church can look so different. We can be so unique if we start living one through five out. Taking all of this application, knowing that sin can come and hit any single one of us. It's like a trap. I mean, the the devil, Satan, is going to be somebody who, who tries to tempt us, tries to get us to fall, tries to get us into a trap. He's out there again, over and over again, trying to get us. Realize we're in a war. Realize it's a battle between our flesh and the Spirit and be ready to restore somebody who's fallen down. And then, if it gets to something like 1 Corinthians 5, where they don't even want to confess to their sin, they don't want to have any changes, they don't want to do anything about it, well, then we can have another conversation, Conversation, then we can go 1 Corinthians 5 on them and be like, all right, y'all out of here. But for those of us who just need to be loved, we'll fulfill the law of Christ by helping one another out. Man, imagine a community of believers where we are one together. It doesn't fall on just one person to do any one thing. But together, we're sharing the load so that Others may come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And maybe you, maybe you've been hurt by the church before, which is why you're watching online right now. You've gotten into a community before and for whatever reason, uh, you got hurt by it. Maybe they were trying to call out sin in your life and you just didn't like it and so you left. Maybe, maybe they didn't take the approach. Maybe they were more like the kid who just had a couple of questions on creation. And was accused of being a sinner. Maybe something like that. Maybe even bit by a legalist. God's church is perfect, but his people are not. We're not going to get it right all the time. We're not going to always have the right answers. But I trust in his promise, I trust in his power that he will restore. Us. So Restoration Church, are you ready to live up to the name of Restoration Church and start mending some nets, start setting some bones? Some of it has to be done in our own congregation with one another. There's issues uh, with people uh, inter-congregationally. Inner, inner of some mending of nests that needs to happen. Because here's the thing, if we aren't mending those nests together, if we aren't mending relationships, if we aren't coming to agreements on things, then people are going to walk into this service, walk into our church, walk into our groups, and they're going to walk right out through the opening in that net because they see a divide and they see a church that's not getting along. And so, they're just going to come right through. But if we mend those nets and it's filled with love and gratitude and and, and restoring power of the Holy Spirit, man, they're going to come into that net and they're going to feel warm, they're going to feel invited, they're going to feel comfortable, and they're going to feel healing like they've never felt before. And their broken bones are going to get set. Their nets are going to be mended because of what we've already experienced as a church. Oh, Father, that we would be a church that mends nets. God, that your power, your Holy Spirit would work in us and through us to change the world around us. It's in your precious name, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.